So just to take you for a moment into the frightening um, landscape that is my brain and uh, let you know kind of how I process. So starting to think about the topic and uh, thinking through like the numerous different pathways we could take to sort of address the same thing. So we could look at, a, at an example from scripture um, there are m numerous examples of people getting started in ministry. And we could look at that. Um, and uh, so I started going down some of those roads, and we may allude to a few of those along the way. But I also just started to think of over the years of um, uh, participating in ministry, speaking um, at events that are designed for people in ministry, and some of the more common questions that I get asked, so I thought I would try, um, at least for part of our time, to ask and answer some of the common questions that I get asked as it relates to ministry. And the first one is, how do I know if I've been called? Like that's a, that's a really interesting question. You know, we um, what happens? Uh, what happened to me? And I think it's I think it's relatively common is um, my life was interrupted by Jesus. Um, I was going down the path that I was going down, and I was interrupted. Um, my interruption sounded like this. Uh, I was working at Munchie's Pizza, and the phone rang, and instead of it being an order for a medium special, uh, it was my friend Ron, and uh, he said, hey, do you want to go to a Christian concert? Um, I didn't know what a Christian was. I didn't know it was an adjective to describe a concert. Um, and uh, so I turned to my boss. I was, I was just about 18 years old, not quite. I turned to my boss, the manager. He was 19. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, hey, Paul, can I go to a Christian? Can I leave work and go to this concert? Well, I found out later, Paul was kind of a nominal Christian. And so... He was excited to be part of me getting to hear about the Lord. So he let me off work. And my friend Ron and Glenn and I, we went to this concert. And uh, it, was in a, it was in a stadium that seats about, I don't know, six or 7,000 people. And we sat way in the back and, uh, and heard the music and then heard the gospel presentation. Never heard any of that before. No idea who Jesus was, no idea what the gospel was, and an invitation to receive Christ. And so I responded to that invitation um, timidly. You know, if you, if you want to pray to receive Jesus, raise your hand. I did the little hand raise away in the back. And then, and then they invited us to come forward. And uh, my friend Glenn, who apparently uh, is a rule breaker, um, when they said, bow your head and close your eyes. He didn't because he knew that I raised my hand. So he said, hey, if you want to go forward, I'll go with you. Um, he was a really mature believer that got saved about six weeks before that. And so <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> so we went for, so, but Jesus interrupted my life. And, you know, that began a process. I met the Lord and it began a process of growth. Some of it slower than others. Um, but over time, something started to birth in me where it was like, I just want to serve the Lord. Like that, like all other 
desires that I had seemed to start to pale with this desire of I just wanted to serve the Lord. And so I got, you know, I got involved at the church that I went with. I got involved in the youth ministry and started looking for ways to serve the Lord. And while my story is unique in the sense of the location when the phone rang and who it was that drove me to the spot and who was the speaker and, you know, those variables, um, my story, I think, is relatively common in the sense of a person encounters Jesus and then they start to grow in Jesus, and then something births in them a desire. I just, I just want to serve Jesus. I just want to, you know. Uh, you have the first, the first apostles that are called. They met Jesus down by the Jordan when John was performing his ministry, and then later, while they're fishing, they something bursts in them where it's like, I just want to be on Team Jesus. I want to, I. Fishing doesn't matter to me anymore. I just want to go where Jesus is going. So, so I think it's, it's a common thing to start having that birthing in you. Like, I, I just, I want to serve the Lord. I'm not sure what that looks like. And so that'll then also birth in us the question of, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm called to minister? How do I know what I'm called to? So what I'd like you to do is, is turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and, and for time's sake, we're going to pick up in the middle of Paul's sentence, which is actually a, a prayer that he records, um, what he's praying for uh, the Ephesians. He, he says, after I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I don't cease to, to pray for you. And then he prays this, we're going to pick up there in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Ephesians 1, verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know. So that's a lot of words um, to say that I'm praying that God would speak to you. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know, you know, the spirit of revelation and knowledge of God. It's like beautiful terminology that he uses. Essentially what he's saying is that God would speak to you. And he says that you would know what is the hope of his calling. That, you would, that God would speak to you and that you would know what God has called you to. Now, as it relates to ministry, I would say that the first thing that we recognize is that we have all been called to ministry. Like that's the wonderful thing about following Jesus is that we've been invited to participate with him in the furtherance of his kingdom. And it's, it's really a pretty remarkable thing that, um, I, you know, um, I just imagine, I, I, I think the, the chosen has done such an interesting job of expressing character traits that may or may not have been true in, in the apostles, the followers of Jesus. I think, I think more than any other sort of um, artistic expression of that, I think they've kind of captured. Because um, I've always imagined what it must have been like for Matthew um, standing at his tax office and Jesus coming up and Jesus asking Matthew to follow him. And I just think like, like wait, what? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you, like, are you sure you want me to follow you? 
And I, I think that that might be also a somewhat common um, response that we have. It's like, wait, Lord, you are you sure? You want me to be part of this? So, so to just understand that God has, in fact, called all of us to participate in serving him. And, and participating in serving him is participating in furthering his kingdom. And his, his kingdom is furthered, uh, number one, when, when another individual puts faith in Christ, the kingdom of God just furthered. The kingdom of God just got bigger. It, you know, before the phone rang at Munchie's Pizza, the kingdom of God was one person smaller than it was before, right? So there was a, the kingdom of God is furthered when a person puts faith in Christ. But the kingdom of God is also furthered when that individual allows Christ to develop them into the person that they want to be. Like the, the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ just brightened. So you imagine, you know, my story again, um, I was the first really in my family to come to faith. And so when I, when I left, you know, I went from Munchies, I went back to my house, I, got, I changed out of my Munchies polo shirt and uh, into whatever else and, and uh, left the house. When I came back into the house, I was a different person. And I brought something with me into that house that hadn't been in that house before. I brought the kingdom of God. Now, I would suggest to you that there was some element of, of brilliance in the light that came in even at that initial moment because the Son of God now lived within me. So, you know, I'd been a Christian. By the time I got home, I'd been, I'd been a follower of Jesus for a few hours. And, I, and there was something. But as I allowed over time Christ to develop his characteristics in me, the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ began to shine brighter in that home. And then in that workplace. And at that time I was in school. And then and, and so over time, the kingdom of God is furthered as we allow God to develop things within us. So as it relates to when I say, hey, we're all called to ministry, all of us have been called, all of us have been called to participate in inviting people into relationship with Christ and also helping people to develop in their relationship with Christ. Like we're all called to be a part of that. So like when he says... And I'm praying for you that you would know what is the hope of his calling. In one sense, we'd say, generally speaking, all of us are part of this. So the conference ends and you go back to whatever, you know, plot of land you happen to live in, in whatever, you know, community you happen to navigate your way through. And you're there to bring the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ. So you're influencing others to come to and grow in relationship with Jesus. So we're all generally called to that. But when we're talking about, I think, why we came in, in these doors it is like, okay, but more specifically, how do I know what I'm called to? And... Uh, um, there's a, well, let's go ahead and turn there. Let's turn over to um, 1 Timothy, and we'll be in chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3, and it reads this way. This is a faithful saying, if any, or if a man, what's that, what's that verb? Let's try it again, just so that more than three of us see it. 
This is a faithful saying, if a man, what? Desires. Desires the position of a bishop. So he's talking about a particular role within the church. He's talking about church leadership um, at this point. But he says, in order to recognize um, a person's calling, he refers to desire. It's very interesting. He says, well, if anyone desires. So, so um, if, uh, if someone starts talking, like, let, like let's say, well, Zach just got back from, from uh, Kenya, right? So those of you that fellowship here at, at Calvary Miami, at, at our church, we had a team of five just got back from Ghana, West Africa. And uh, so somebody starts talking about the, the story. And inside of you, like you're lit up. You're going, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. I would love to go on a mission trip. That's amazing. And someone next to you going, oh, please, God, don't ever do that to me. <laughs> right? I mean, is that not real? Is that, I mean, yeah, that's an absolute reality. Like, like something. And so I would say part of recognizing the call of God is what's God birthing in you? Like, what is that desire? You know, I, I, uh, people that have come to me and said, oh my gosh, I just, I just love children so much. I, I just love to be with the kids. I so much. And I think that might be a calling. Because <laughs> other people would think the most frightening thing in life would be for the door to close and you to have 15 other people's children that you're responsible <laughs> for. Right, so I'm, I'm kind of lightly just addressing this. God begins to produce desire within us. Like what, what, now another thing that I think, and let's go ahead and turn to another passage, and I'm gonna to try to link these two thoughts together. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter, um, chapter 12, verse 31. Paul writes, Earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. Earnestly desire the best gifts. So let me try to link this together. So all of us are called generally to serve the Lord. So wherever it is that God has placed you in life currently, um, in your home, uh, in your, if you're in school, in your vocation, in your community involvement, you are there to help further his kingdom by inviting people into relationship with the Lord and helping people develop in the Lord. More specifically, but how, Lord, do you want me to serve you? What is the, your call on my life? And it's like, well, that's going to have something to do with desire. As you're seeking the Lord, God begins to put desire within you. That desire can then be met with spiritual gifting. And so if I want to determine what call of God, what the call of God is for my life, I'm also going to be looking for opportunity to, or I'm, I'm going to be seeking the Lord for those giftings. Lord, what, what gifts do you want to give to me? The, the earlier in the chapter, in chapter 12, Paul talks about the gifts and he says that there are different gifts and there are different ministries and that there are different energies of the gifts. So the, the different gifts, he lists several of them. Uh, there's something in the neighborhood of about 20 spiritual gifts mentioned in scripture. And so there's a variety of different gifts, but then there's different ministries. So let's just, let's use a really simple 
illustration, like uh, a teaching gift. So any given Sunday at the church that you fellowship at, there is the gift of teaching that's being expressed. The pastor's expressing it, but there's a lot of different ministries, aren't there? So like at our church, we've got at the same time that the ministry would happening in the main auditorium with the adults, you have student ministry, you have children's ministry at varying levels, you know, from different age groups where teaching is, is happening. So you have the same gift expressed in a bunch of different ministries. And then you have from, from location to location or person to person, you have different energies or expressions of that same gift. So when it comes to how do I know if I'm called? Well, one of the things that we ought to be doing is seeking the Lord for, God, what are the gifts that you would have for me? What gift do you want to give me? And then, and then we have to um, exercise those gifts. In fact, in Romans, we're, we might as well, we're just flipping around. This is fun. So Romans chapter 12, and look at verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6 says... Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If we have the gift of prophecy, then prophesy. Um, the, if we have the gift of ministry, then minister. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's exhortation, then exhort. If it's, if it's giving, then do it liberally. If it's leading with diligence, mercy with cheerfulness. So he says, he says, not only do we receive the gifts, but now we also are looking for opportunity to use those gifts. So let's put those three things together. Desire, gifting, and opportunity. So, so I'm like, how do I know that I'm called? Well, maybe you're sitting in fellowship and you're being so ministered to as the word of God is being taught and you're thinking, wow, I wonder if, wonder if I could do that. I wonder if God is calling me to do that. So I'm gonna seek the Lord. God, I, if, you, if you are calling me to teach, you've gotta give me a gift of teaching, Lord. And so then I'm going to look for um, opportunity. So I've got the desire. I'm seeking God for the gift. And then it's opportunity. I wouldn't suggest going to your senior pastor and asking if, if you can fill in on Sunday. <laughs> I would suggest perhaps, hey, is there a need? Can I, can I assist in one of the children's classes and come alongside and see and, and begin to... Um, uh, have opportunity to then express that gift. And you'll find that in some cases you find, oh, maybe that's not the gifting that I have. In other cases, find, I think I have that gifting, but this gifting needs to be like everything else. It needs to be honed or, or developed, right? It's not just, it, you know, it doesn't just come, suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, the greatest teacher that's ever been on the face of the planet. You know, it's, it doesn't usually express itself like that. And so, so there's desire, there's gifting, there's opportunity. Um, I have a good friend. Um, we've been friends for a long time, of course. Time and distance have, have kept us apart, but we were able to um, have lunch with them uh, just in May. Uh, my wife and his wife have stayed very, very close over the years, and this is the first time he and I have been together in the same space for a lot of years. But a super wonderful guy. He is um, having a great impact for the kingdom of God. He's actually an English teacher. And, um, and uh, he was part of the same youth group that I was serving at, he was serving at, and he had desire. And he sought God for gifting. 
And he started along with a lot of us having opportunities to teach. And it became very clear to him um, that he was not called by God for pastoral ministry. And where that evidence, where that became evident was in the opportunity. It just became very clear. Very gifted guy. God's using him greatly. He's, uh, again, he's been uh, in, in education for years, having a huge impact for the kingdom. But it became evident in the opportunity. And so I would say that, that, you know, how do I know if I'm called? How do I know what I'm called to? Well, what's being birthed in you? You have desire. Seeking God for gifting. And then looking for opportunity to express that gift because it's in that opportunity where clarity will come. It's also in that opportunity where we, we hone and develop that gift. So the most, one of the most common questions that I get asked is, how do I know if I'm called? And my answer, my short answer is, oh, you're called. Okay, that's, that's my short answer. Oh, you're called, right? You're called to let the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ, shine out of your life to invite people into relationship with Jesus and help people develop in their relationship with the Lord. Make those investments. Make, you know, make those investments. Um, um, I don't have time, so I'll tell you this anyway. So, uh, you know, I kind of, I got saved kind of like, like out of the world. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a Christian upbringing. I had no Christian friends. And quite honestly, I, this is not, this is not preacher talk. I had no idea what a Christian was. I, I couldn't have answered a Bible question. Um, any, uh, if you asked me to name a Bible character, I, I would guess... I probably had heard um, of I'd heard of Jesus. I think I'd probably heard of Noah. That that might have been the extent of it. Okay. After that, maybe Moses, because there was a there was a movie called Moses. So that might have been the extent of it. So I I got saved out of the world, and so a lot of my early experience with the Lord was having to kind of shed a lot of relationships that would have been destructive to me. Right, so the, the group that I had spent time with and the lifestyle that I was participating in, I had to shed a lot of those relationships if I was going to make it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going to make very many steps down the Christian pathway without shedding a lot of that. But what, what that developed in me in those early years was a little bit kind of a, like a separation from the world not understanding Jesus's words when Jesus was praying for us. And he says, Father, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world. I pray that you would keep them from the evil one. And then Jesus speaking still in that sense of prayer, but, but really as a commission to us, he says, he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so, you know, part of, of our calling is to recognize we've been sent into the world. Like there's, if you have gotten saved recently out of a lifestyle and a group of people that have had a strong influence upon you and you know that being back with that group of people is going to be destructive to you, you're still kind of in the shed area of, of your life and it's healthy for you to be working on developing good Christian community. 
but with the, with the ultimate purpose of God is sending us back into the world. And so <clears throat> ministry is not, is not, man, I finally found a way that I can get out of the world and surround myself only with believers all the time. No, ministry is in the world. So we're called to that. So the, the short answer, how do I know that I'm called? Oh, you're called. Okay, and then the little bit longer answer is to know the specifics of your calling. We want to seek, be seeking God and letting him develop desire. And we want to be seeking God and let him, him giving us gifts. And then we want to be seeking God and stepping into opportunity to express those gifts. And those opportunities will, all, will often develop clarity for us. Um, I, um, one more thing and then we're gonna move to the next question. When, when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, um, I had a course, it was, it was uh, the course was called Crisis and it was an environmental um, awareness class. And uh, we had a, a major project that we were supposed to do each individual student and um, it was a large portion of our grade for the course. And we had two options. Um, option one is we wrote the paper and then we present the paper to the class. Option two is we opt out of presenting the paper to the class, which means the highest mark we can get on that assignment is a C. So it's a large portion, like 40% of the grade, the highest grade you can possibly get if you don't present it to the class is a C. I took the C. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was no possible way I was ever gonna stand in front of a group of people. Okay, that was my basic nature, okay? So when I have this desire and this, this then sense of maybe God's calling me to teach, you have to understand this was not my basic nature to be like, hey, I just need to be in front of people. Like that's this need that I have. So just give me anything to say as long as I can be in front of people. It's kind of the opposite of that. So stepping into that was a big deal for me to step in front of do that. Okay, so I'm gonna move on to the second question that is pretty common. And that is how to prepare for ministry. So I think God's calling me to serve him. What, what do I do? What path should I take in order to, to do that? And I want to suggest three things to you. Um, um, actually, let's, let's do this. Let's go over to Mark chapter 3. Um, Mark chapter 3 for the first one, because this is, I think, very telling. And Mark is recording for us the time when the disciples were first called uh, to become apostles. And uh, which that, that in itself is very revealing. We have a group of people that have made a decision to follow Jesus. And it's from that group of people that God is, um, we might say, selecting people for particular areas of service. Right? So the, the passage begins, this is verse um, 13 of Mark 3. And he, Jesus, went up on a mountain and called to him those he himself wanted and he came and they came to him and he appointed the 12. So he's got a group, a field of people 
who are disciples. They're people who have, who have A, made the decision to receive Christ, B, made the decision to surrender to and follow Christ. And so from that group of people, Jesus is selecting individuals to participate in specific areas um, with him in the furtherance of his kingdom. So as it relates to that call of God, if we want to be used by God, we want to be we want to have received Christ and we want to be submitted to him. And I just think, again, this is kind of back in, in the question one for a moment, but I just think what an incredible honor to be selected by Jesus to serve him. I mean, I just, this seemed to me, and again, if I just let the movie kind of play in my mind and Jesus coming down and there's a group, we don't know how large the group is, but you come in, just imagine. I mean, imagine when you're in, you were in school and it came time to play some sport and they picked captains and then the captain starts picking the team, right? And how cool it is to be picked first. I was like, oh yeah, what a bummer it is to be picked last with the one-legged kid. So, um, was this on? I, I, I didn't mean to say that out loud. So, uh, the, so he comes down, he selects them, but look at verse 14. It says, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I think I said 12, that's 14. Then he appointed 12, that they might be with him. So how do I prepare? I have this this sense that God has called me and I'm seeking him for those giftings. I'm looking then for opportunities, but how do I prepare for that? Jesus called these, these individuals to be with him. And the first thing, the primary thing is if we're going to prepare to be used by God is to focus on our own relationship with Jesus. That's primary. That is, that, is, that is always the most important thing. Um, you want to, at this point in your life, where, wherever you're at in your relationship with the Lord, you want at this point in your life to begin to establish a healthy, um, personal relationship with the Lord. And I think that centers in establishing a, a, a um, personal devotional life where you, you set aside, you, you carve out time daily that you spend with the Lord and, and that you develop then a healthy way of going about doing that um, to where you're in the word, you're in communication with the Lord and you're spending that time. And so that is something that we wanna develop and keep moving. I know that the most important thing that I can do for the fellowship that I am the pastor of is my personal devotions. I know that if my personal devotions are slack, that the ministry that I'm involved in is going to be affected. I know that the key, I mean, Jesus referred to it as abiding in him. And so the most important way for you to prepare to serve the Lord is to focus on and develop your own spiritual maturity or development um, and that is, again, linked to the time you spend with the Lord. And so I'll take just a moment to share a little bit about how I go about doing that. Um, when, I, when I did really start to um, grow in the Lord, I started to fall in love with the Bible, which was 
interesting because I wasn't an avid reader. Um, and I was particularly afraid of sort of um, any, any kind of uh, literature that wasn't just straightforward. Um, I remember, again, I'll take you to my high school days, I remember my junior literature class, and I remember when we hit the poetry section, and I just thought to myself, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> and, and really, you know, not being very artistic myself, wondering why anybody would waste their time writing this and making me read it. And so I didn't understand it. It was very difficult for me. And so now I come to the Bible, and the Bible is, quite frankly, written very differently than anything else I would choose to read. So the fact that I began to fall in love with the Bible was pretty remarkable. But I loved it, and God would speak to me. And so I, but I'd, I'd heard a lot and read a lot about the importance of also prayer. And so I felt like if I woke up and started reading my Bible, I liked that, so it must be bad. I must have to pray first. And so I would, you know, I would try to get up and I'd try to sit and spend you know, lengthy time just praying so I could earn the right to be able to read my Bible. And, uh, and I would fall back asleep. Or, so then I'd go on prayer walks. And I'd walk around the block. And I'd just walk as fast as I could so I could get back to read my Bible. So, <laughs> so I, I, I remember actually hearing um, a pastor by the name of John Corson sharing a little bit about his devotional life and how... He reads the Bible kind of in, in dialogue. And it's like, as I read my Bible, I know what to pray for, like what I'm reading here. And it set me free. And it's like, I get up and uh, I have a, a particular chair that I sit in in the morning and uh, I grab something to caffeinate myself. And I sit and I just read and I just talk to the Lord about what I'm reading. And that's the way that I, that I spend my devotional time. And, and that, that the amount of time flexes. Sometimes it's longer than other times, but just that time with the Lord. And, and that's something that was developed in the early years of starting to walk with the Lord. And it's something that I'm carrying on today. And, and I, so I think, how do we prepare for ministry? Personal devotional life. Jesus called these guys first to be with them. If he, was, if he was calling them just simply for a, to accomplish a task, he might have looked for different people. He's calling them to be with him. So the second thing that we do, first thing is be with Jesus. The second thing that we do to prepare for ministry is, um, to, uh, is to be involved in serving at your local church. And um, there are two different approaches to serving. Um, and one, and I'm not like dismissing the one, but there's one way where it's just like, hey, if you need me, let me know, right? And there are times when it's like that, where you, the church will maybe be having a, an event and you just kind of sign up and show up for this one thing and, and serve. What I'm talking about in, in serving is actually where you're putting yourself under authority of, of the church in the sense, not that they're, not in a weird way, but just simply where they're saying, hey, you need to be here at this time. You need to do this task. You need to do this task faithfully. <laughs> like you're learning not only how to serve or accomplish a task, but you're learning how to be a servant. Because isn't that what Jesus called us to? The, the, the method of ministry in the kingdom of God is servanthood, regardless of the role. 
So if you, you know, whoever you're, wherever you fellowship at, whoever your senior pastor is, their method of ministry, according to Jesus, is servanthood. Now their role, what that servanthood looks like, they might not be the person who is picking up the trash after the event. It doesn't mean that they're, but their, their method of ministry is serving. There's, and so learning how to be a servant, the highest place in the kingdom is servanthood. It's not, servanthood is not the means to the highest place. It is the highest place. So we're learning to be servants. So number one is we are developing our relationship with Jesus. Number two, we're learning how to be servants. And then number three, how do we prepare for ministry? We get to know the word of God. Get to know God's word. Because no matter what area you serve in, no matter, you know, if you, if you think, um, so in, in God's design for the church, God created this thing called the church, and the church is, is the expression of himself in the world between his comings. And in this thing, he, he, he ordered the church with certain components. We have the elders, which is synonymous in the New Testament with um, the term overseer or bishop and also the term pastor. So those are synonymous terms. Elder speaks of the, the maturity of the individual, the spiritual formation of the individual. Oversight speaks of the role that they're called to. And pastor or shepherd speaks of the way in which that role is accomplished, caring for, feeding, ministering to the people. So, so you've got your eldership, your pastoral component to the church. Then, then the church is also made up of deacons. And the, the deacon is uh, one of those non-translated Bible words. So when you say deacon, you're speaking Greek. So you're welcome for helping you be bilingual. Um, there's lots of those words in the Bible, but the word deacon um, is, is the Greek word diakonos. So again, it's not translated. Um, if it were translated, it would be the term servant. And it's the people who do the hands and feet uh, part of the ministry so that the pastoral ministry can be done. So it's easy to see like, well, who are the deacons here? Well, you just look at all the guys in the orange shirts. Right? The guys that are helping you park straight so more cars can fit in the parking lot. They're helping you know, to, to get you to move over in a seat so another body can fit in the room or whatever. It's just that part of things. And so uh, the third component of the church is what the Bible calls members. And it's not, when the Bible uses the term member for the church, it uses it the same way that, that we would speak of a member of our body. It doesn't use it the way we would speak a member of a gym or a big box superstore, but rather a member of your body. Your thumb is a member. It's a contributing part of the body. It's receiving from the body and it's participating in the body. So when we think then about the, the, the church and we think about, Lord, what are you calling me to? Well, are you calling me to membership to be a contributing part of the local body in ministering to the saints and also participating in what God has called this local body to do as it relates to furtherance of the kingdom. So like, like the church that you're involved in, you're in a community. 
And that, that church has been placed in that community to, to have a, a specific impact upon that community. But then that church is also called to have an impact globally, right? Like every church is to have this marching orders of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. So, so I'm like, am I called to be, to be a member of that and to somehow just contribute to the functioning of that church and also to its reach in the community and beyond? Am I called to be a deacon in that church? Am I called to hands and feet serve, to take weight off so other ministry things can happen? Am I called to eldership, to pastoral ministry? Whatever the answer to that is, because we're all called to that, whatever the answer is, the, the means towards that, get to know the Word of God. Get to know God's Word. It doesn't, it, you know, the, when, when Paul spoke regarding the elders, pastoral roles, he said they needed to have the ability to teach. When he spoke to the deacons, the serving role, he said that they needed to have a handle on the doctrines of Scripture. Either case, we need to know God's Word. Again, I'll tell you my story. Um, because of my experience with literature before, not anybody else's fault, but because of my experience when I first was introduced to the Bible, I read the narrative passages and narrative New Testament passages. That is the Gospel and Acts. And I could handle that. It was a story. There were characters. The characters were, were doing something. There was a plot. There was interaction. There was communication. It's not challenging to understand. But then there was this next section called epistles. I had no idea what that word even meant. And these things scared me. Now, I've learned now, I've learned language that I didn't learn before, but I've learned that they're didactive, right? They're teaching, they're instructive. But I had no, like, I was afraid of them. So I was encouraged by a, a peer who had been saved a lot longer, and, and uh, he encouraged me to get hold of a little survey book of the Bible. I actually bought it for one pound, in a bookstore in England. And it was this tiny little book, and it was called, ready for it? Survey of the New Testament. Super creative. And, uh, and so I took this book, and I looked at the epistles, and I looked, the first three are super long. Romans, First, Thess or first Corinthians, Second Corinthians. But then it was like, oh, Galatians only has six chapters. So that's where I started. <laughs> I went right to there. And then there's a series of all these epistles that are short, right? There's no more than six chapters until you get to Hebrews. It's like, oh, this is good stuff. So I would literally, I would read this survey book. It would give me a little bit of information. I'd read through the, the, um, the book. Um, I would listen to Pastor Chuck Smith's tapes. That's where I went to church. I'd listen to his teaching on it, read the book again, and I'd go to the next book. And, I, and it wasn't like I had this... Um, you know, deep um, understanding of every aspect of the book, but I was being introduced to an understanding of it. And a lot of the, the things that made it challenging were being removed. And so now I was like, oh, I can start navigating my way through the book. So let's fast forward. Several years have gone by, and I'm pastoring our church in Vero Beach, Florida. And I'm looking out at our congregation, and I'm thinking, you know what? I think I need to do the same thing for our church. So back in 2013, we did a survey of the Bible. 
We did every book of the Bible in one evening. We did 66 consecutive weeks, one book at a time, and we did that. And then last year, we started and we did it again. And we're, we just finished uh, Second Peter, so we're getting almost done. But the whole idea is, is I want to, I want to remove some of the challenging things so that it can make it easier for people to get into the text to get to know the Word of God. And the reason I want to do that is it helped me. So I just began to get to know the Scriptures. So, so are you called? Yes, absolutely. You are called to take the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ with you everywhere you can go to, to uh, influence people to come to Christ and help people develop in their relationship with Christ. What are you called to specifically? How are you going to determine that? You're going to determine that by seeking the Lord for desire and seeking the Lord for gifting and seeking the Lord for opportunity. And that opportunity is going to help you navigate the gifting, like what is, how does this express itself? How do I then prepare for that? I prepare for that by continuing to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Because you can be, you can have all sorts of Bible knowledge, you can craft your communication skills, you can, you know, with all of this stuff, and drift away from the Lord. So stay focused on your relationship with the Lord, be plugged into a church where you're learning to serve, and then get to know the Word of God. Get to know what God's Word says.